everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again, to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. On today's show, we are talking about sleep and really probably more importantly, insomnia. And the reason, well, you guys know, if you've been following me for a while, I am I've always been a firm believer that sleep is so important for all of us. And the truth is, I we actually talk about this a little on the show with my guest, Dr. Deirdre Conroy, um, who's a specialist in sleep and in insomnia and insomnia treatment. Um, but, you know, I just, I grew up always knowing inherently about my own body that one of the most important things is to always be well rested and get consistent, good quality sleep. I really don't know why that was just something I knew because maybe it's because I was sick a lot as a, as a young child, I got strep throat a lot. And then in college, I had a really bad case uh, of mono where I was sick for like three weeks, just got liver damage, all of this stuff. And so I've always been very proactive about if I feel myself coming down with something, I'm going to make sure I get a really good night's sleep. I've always said this, you guys have been following me for a while, you know it. Sleep is the great healer. So I'm a firm believer in the importance of sleep. I've also certainly learned a lot about how sleep whether we get too much, too little, or just right is going to have an effect on our health and certainly our fitness results. You know, if you are not well rested, you are going to have effects or you will experience negative after effects the next day. These could range from lack of focus, um, needing to kind of jack yourself up on caffeine all day, um, potentially making bad choices in your food. That is definitely a correlation. Um, And certainly you're going to lack energy for your workouts. So all of this is connected, just like we talk about hormones, everything is connected. And this is why it's so important. And I want to launch a series. And this will always be a topic that we cover on the show, sleep, how to get more of it, how to identify when you have a sleep problem. I actually didn't even realize that there are there are treatments. I, I mean, we know that there are things that we can do and change in our lifestyle to encourage better sleep, but I was not even aware until I participated actually in a, in a Twitter chat with some of these folks 
that there are treatments, you know, uh, from a psychological perspective, certainly from a maybe more medicinal perspective, but really there's quite a lot more to learn about improving your sleep issues, your insomnia issues, and as such dramatically improving your health and your wellness in your life. So look at this episode. It's about just past 30 minutes um, with, uh, again, my friend, Dr. Deirdre Conroy. She's my friend, even though she is from Michigan and she's a Michigan fan, I'm still going to publish this show. Um, But I think you'll learn quite a lot about sleep. And then we are going to have her back on the show so we can go into more of a deep dive on some of these sleep topics. So make sure you you tune in and whatever questions you have specifically on all of these different areas of sleep, use the contact me form over at thekellyoshow.com and just shoot me a note. Let me know what you'd like to see us cover in the, sh- in the upcoming shows on sleep, on insomnia, uh, sleep apnea, all of these different things that we talk about here in this episode. So again, sit back, enjoy this chat with myself and Deirdre Conroy on sleep. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Kelly O Show. I am thrilled, as I mentioned, to have Dr. Deirdre Conroy with us. And we are going to be talking about sleep and insomnia, which is one of the top three topics that you all write in about. So whenever we cover this, it is the most answered, one of the most answered polls. It is the most asked question. It is certainly one of the most misunderstood topics, sleep, insomnia, how to address it, um, and so on and so forth. So I am so thrilled to have Dr. Deirdre Conroy with us. Um, Dr. Conroy, welcome. Are you ready to go? Yes, I'm ready. I'm happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you, and I'm excited because um, people that have been following me for a long time know that I'm I'm very passionate about this topic because I I don't know why it is I just always grew up and it's not like my parents you know trained me on this or raised me on this I don't know why I just inherently knew how important sleep was um, and and whenever I felt bad or felt like I was really getting run down truthfully and i mean this is even up to recently like right now if i if i have a day where i'm just starting to feel like really like oh my gosh i'm coming down with a really bad cold if i really just slow down go to bed early one night get even just a little bit of extra sleep you know obviously don't work out or whatever i guess what i'm saying is i've i've always known sleep to be a great healer and i've always known sleep to be something i need to make as a priority Again, I'm not really quite sure why that was something that was just part of my being, but it's always surprised me how many people don't make sleep a priority and how in our country in particular, we've gotten this like hustle mentality and it's almost this badge of honor to work all the time and not get sleep. And you always hear people um, talking about getting four to five hours of sleep and acting like it's no big deal. So this is definitely something I've always wanted to educate on because I think there's a quite a lot of people out there, and I'm sure that you'll have some input on this as well as we get into the conversation. There's a lot of people out there who maybe are getting by with these four to five hours of sleep or they have insomnia and they're not dealing with it. And it's not necessarily dramatically affecting their lives, but they don't realize there's cumulative effects that are happening behind the scenes. Kind of like when you ignore your hormones and obviously sleep will affect your hormones too. So that's why we want to educate on this. Um, And I certainly hope to have you back on the show because I'm sure that this will just be the foundational episode. But before we get started and we dive in, this is your first time on the show. 
Um, tell people what it is that you do. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm also curious, why is it that, what led you to want to go into this for your life's work? Yeah, well, um, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm so excited. Um, so I am a board-certified sleep specialist, and I'm also a clinical psychologist f- that focuses specifically on sleep. And so i also called a sleep psychologist. Um, and so I work largely with people who struggle with sleep, um, mm-hmm. diagnosis, assessment, treatment. Um, the treatments that I focus most on are the insomnia treatments, which we can talk about more later. Um, why did I get into this? You know, um, it's a little bit like I, I, for some reason, I started, like you said, um, sort of was interested in sleep early on in my life. I was fascinated by it. I was kind of a weird sleeper myself. I think kids <laughs> generally, some kids are really weird sleepers and I was surprised by that. So I thought, what is this thing? Why am I having these dreams? And like, why do I do this at night? So I started studying it and I continued. I mean, I really kind of started in high school and at the college and continued on to, to grad school. And it's, it's what I do for my, for my career. You know, it's funny because we'll, we'll put this first for what we close up on today, but you mentioned treatment that you work with people who have sleep problems and, and treatment. And I, I'm one of these people or I have been until I connected with you guys. Um, I really didn't know that there was treat. I'm using air quotes over here, treatment <laughs> for sleep. I mean, I knew that there were things you could do. And I've certainly put a lot of, I've changed a lot of things about from a lifestyle perspective, but um, I, I think that's definitely going to surprise a lot of people that, because so many people listening to this have sleep issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know I told you this offline, but I'll say it again for everybody that's listening. Um, you might be somebody who's participated in one of these polls. I've polled a lot of our Instagram followers. I, we've polled people um, back when we were Fitfluential. We would poll on our website. We would poll in our newsletter. Uh, whenever I do a poll um, or of any kind, it's overwhelming that I would say typically 75 to 85% of people who respond say they have regular problems, either falling asleep or a lot of people are up throughout the night and can't fall back asleep. So my first question to you is, you know, you, you we talk about insomnia and a lot of people I think don't, they, they think maybe insomnia is like you never sleep. Mm-hmm. How do you do, de- how do you define insomnia? So that's a great question. So first of all, um, having sleep complaints is not uncommon. So 30% of the population has some kind of sleep complaint, whether that's falling or stay asleep or staying asleep. Mm-hmm. And 10% of those people will have the difficulty falling or staying asleep and have some kind of daytime dysfunction the next day. And that's really what we're looking at with insomnia. When we diagnose insomnia, it is. I'm having trouble either falling asleep or staying asleep or waking up too early and it's causing me some, some kind of dysfunction the next day. So that could be mood problems. It could be fatigue, um, concentration problems. Um, and technically it should happen three times a, a week, a week uh, for at least three months. Hmm. Uh, but really it's, it's, a, it's based on your report, right? There's no test for insomnia actually. You don't need a sleep study to be diagnosed with insomnia. You basically tell your doctor your story and they can diagnose with insomnia. Mm. You know, when you described it that way, I immediately thought, you know, 
you said it's caught. I think the second part where you said it's causing dysfunction the next day, here's my, and I love to see if you agree. I think that there's, and again, this could be, there, this could be a correlation with so many other areas in our lives. I truly believe that there's so many people out there who are these people who maybe brag about getting four to five hours of sleep all the time. I've been this way my whole adult life. It doesn't bother me. There's, I think there's quite a lot of people who don't tie the lack of sleep or I'm up constantly throughout the night or I only get four to five hours of sleep a night and all of the symptoms that they experience in the day. I don't think they... they tie the two together. Would you agree that there's a lot of people that, that don't, they don't go, Oh, I feel crappy like this. I have to drink Red Bull and Starbucks all day. I, you know, I'm drinking, I'm eating a lot of carbs to get energy. I'm lethargic. I'm not able to focus because of my sleep. Do you think that there's a lot of people that don't tie those two together? I would agree with that. And I also um, agree with this uh, cultural idea. And you mentioned it earlier, it's the hustle mentality and this um, that uh, strength, I only, you know, I only need five hours and I'm fine. I can power through, but you wait and, and you put that person in, in a dark room or a boring lecture and you see what happens. They start dozing off. Mm. So, um, I, I hope that our culture is, is changing or moving in this direction, but I, I think it's also an interesting topic for, um, health and fitness related, um, interested people because, you know, there's, there's people who want to work out hard and, and exercise and activity is really um, a badge of honor. And, but sleep is the opposite, right? You have to have that time to, to relax and rest your body. And that is as important as those, those, those hard workouts. Yeah, you're definitely, you know, the audience here is fitness focused, health focused, and you know, there's people, I'm one of them who in the past, I, while I've always been focused on getting enough sleep, it's, I don't know, it's just something I inherently knew about myself. Like if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm not going to do well. Um, just, and, and maybe, you know what I think it was for me is, is I, I got sick a lot as a kid with strep throat. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I strep throat and ear infections and I don't like being sick. Um, I don't, you know, so if there's anything I could do to proactively be in the right frame of mind or the right frame of health to, to keep that at bay, I'm going to do it. And for me, I just always inherently knew getting enough rest, getting sleep was key. A lot of people don't. So I firmly agree with what you're saying. And there's quite a lot of people who are listening like me, who from a fitness perspective, they have such goals, um, high goals for themselves and they don't realize the importance of rest. Um, so I always think that this is a great conversation to have because it's just as important to get to have rest days with your training. That's when a solid trainer is going to tell you, you know, it's as equally important for you to train hard, but then also rest well because it's during those rest days that your muscles are repairing. And that's when like the growth and the development mm-hmm. of those muscles happens. Same thing with sleep, but we don't tend to, to look at it that way. And, and I think it was Ariana Huffington, who's mm-hmm. obviously a strong advocate for sleep yeah. um, and has seen the effects of not getting sleep in her life. She's written a whole series of books. She has a whole company focused on this. Um, she's talked about like, why is it that we know with our cell phones, that when the battery's low, we need to recharge, but we don't do that with ourselves. And 
I do. I do. I think this is a cultural thing where we don't, we don't focus enough on rest or maybe even on taking a nap or on our need to recharge. Do you see that too as very common? I do. And I find that, that um, there can be two groups of people, right? So there's the people that are, you know, and Ariana Huffington's um, example, she probably was in that world where you, you wake up early, you go to bed late and you, it's all about productivity. And so you are foregoing the sleep process to do other things because you want to be successful. You want to get everything done. So that is the people who probably could sleep longer if they allowed themselves, but they're not allowing themselves because of their belief that sleep perhaps is not important. And that can definitely take a toll. And, and, and I'll say what's interesting with her as well is that she, I don't think she, she took tests and nothing was coming up on tests. So it's really, you know, your own perception of how you're feeling and, and that won't necessarily pop up on, on any kind of scan or, or blood test or so on. But then there's this other group of people who, um, give themselves an opportunity to sleep. So I, I, I allocate nine hours a night, but I'm only getting four hours a night that that's more along the lines of the insomnia. And the other thing that can feed into the insomnia is why aren't I getting more sleep? What's wrong with me? Um, this is a struggle. And then the anxiety about sleep starts to happen Mm. and that can perpetuate the sleep loss. Yeah. This is something I, it's a good, this is a good topic for us to focus on a little bit because you and I were talking about this offline and I was sharing. So I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate because I was sharing with her before we started recording that I've certainly gone through periods and you guys have heard me say this before when I got divorced in 2007, that was, it it was coincidentally, I was going through one of the worst emotional times in my life. And that's right when my hormones started changing. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was going into early perimenopause. And so my hormones were changing and I suddenly couldn't sleep. And I do think it was kind of like this quadruple whammy of all these forces happening at once. But I was, I went through a period of taking Excedrin PM every night for five years. And my doctor at the time told me that that was not a problem. Um, I I uh, firmly believe he should be whatever they call disbarred for, for medical people, but whatever. Um, I've definitely gone through periods of time where I've had major sleep issues. And it used to be that to tie this back to the anxiety thing and how it can be this self-perpetuating cycle. It used to be when I would, whether it was back then or even more recently, if I would have a time where you know, say, for example, starting a new job, or I had something, I had a trip, an early meeting the next morning, and I go to bed, and I'm thinking about that, and I don't fall asleep. And then because I'm not falling asleep, I start thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm only going to get this many hours of sleep. And I'm obsessing about having to get the perfect amount of hours of sleep. And then I'm trying to take Excedrin PM to make my body fall asleep. And I used to be that you know, wound so tight personality that was trying to force myself to fall asleep when, when I was having one of those issues. And I've, I've personally learned to kind of just relax into it and accept it. So if I have a night where I get up at say two in the morning and it's so rare now, but if I, if I feel like, oh, I can't fall back to sleep, I just have become self-aware and I'm, and I'm going to ask you a question on that, on the self-awareness thing, because you somewhat mentioned it a second ago. I've become self-aware enough to know, okay, I'm not falling asleep. And I know that fighting it and worrying about it and obsessing about it is my worst enemy. So you guys, 
you know, the simplest technique that I use when I realize I've woken up and I'm probably having some issues here, instead of quote unquote, trying to fall asleep, I just get back in bed or sometimes I'll go out and lie on my really comfy couch and I just focus on being comfortable. And, and to me, like, instead of going, I've got to fall asleep, I've got to fall asleep. I don't let myself look at the clock. I will not let myself figure out what time it is. I just say, I'm going to lay here and be really comfortable and focus on how soft this pillow is and how nice and cool I feel. And now I just fall asleep because I've, I've stopped stressing about it. So my twofold question to you, Dr. Conroy, is this, you know, you talked about the fact that anxiety and worrying about sleep and worrying about, oh gosh, I haven't fallen asleep. I, I think it's common sense for everybody listening to realize that is, it's almost like you're taking a pill to make sure you don't sleep because it's going to be a self-perpetuating cycle. But back to the self-awareness thing, I think it's that so many people with everything we've talked about thus far in this interview, self-awareness, being in tune with your body and being able to say, okay, I'm not getting a lot of sleep and look how I'm feeling and functioning during the day, being able to tie that together being able to calm down and realize you need help. Like it really comes down to self-awareness. Would you agree? I would agree with the self-awareness and I would take this a step further and say a lot of what I would say, if, if I was working with you, I would say something like, well, how have you functioned before? Now, a lot of times people, you can feel the effects of sleep loss for sure, but do you, have you been able to get through your day and has anything catastrophic happened? Now, some people might say maybe yes, but most of the time, no. And so here's what I go for is you've been through this before. You can get through this next day. Um, sleep will happen. Um, I like what you're saying about getting out of bed and doing something else, like feeling the comfort of the, of the couch. And then you return to the bed when you feel sleepy again. That way you got, you have a plan. You can give yourself some coping statements. You know what? I'll be fine. I, worrying about this will just kind of make this worse. Um, and your body will get, it will correct. Mm -hmm. It will get back to that. Yeah. That's because it's, it's almost like if you think about it, when you start to, and you know, my man and I have um, compared notes about this all the time, because the only time that he has sleep issues are when he might happen to wake up in the middle of the night and he thinks about something work-related and then he will pick up. And I told him, I'm like, babe, you can't do that. He'll go pick up his phone and, you know, like jet off an email. Cause he's like, well, this is on my brain. To me, it's, it's like, if you, if you realize that it's, it's almost like turning on your brain in some way like that when you're, when it's nighttime, whether it's, pulling out your tablet, and you can chime in if I'm wrong on this, turning the TV on or something that's going to be that bright blue light, you're basically just waking yourself up even more, where it's kind of to what you said before. You know, if, if you were sitting in, a, in an insurance lecture and you're that tired, you would fall asleep. Like your body has every capability of falling asleep, but uh, to some degree, I would think we would want to avoid things that are going to get the juices flowing and get us waking up. Would you, would you agree? Like if you were talking to somebody and telling them what methods to employ 
Would you say, don't pick up your phone, don't pick up your tablet, don't turn on the TV if you can't, if you're having insomnia issues? Is that like a bad practice to, to head towards? Uh, yes. The short answer is yes. Um, I would, I, I help uh, my patients, my clients set boundaries, right? Because you need to say goodnight to your phone and, and <laughs> be aware of the screens because it is true, scientifically shown, the blue light from screens does re- um, suppress melatonin. You want that to be high at night. Um, but also I think that the, what I deal with most, I work with a lot of highly successful people or people in the medical field and it's all about productivity, right? Oh, well, if I'm up, I might as well get something done, mm-hmm. right? And that can be really tricky because you want to value the time at night. It is a quiet time. And by sending emails, that's just going to light your bright on fire. Cause what if you get another email or if you go on Facebook and someone's speaking right. negatively about you, you know, like you just be very careful about what you choose to engage in during that night, that time you're awake during the night. God, it's such, that was such a, I love the way you said, say goodnight to your tablet and so on. Um, and you know, that brings up a point because I commonly hear people who typically say they have insomnia or I know they have insomnia. They just aren't labeling it as that. They say that they, they go in their bedroom and they have a TV in their bedroom and they quote unquote, use it to fall asleep. What do you say to people like that? Oh, this is so many of the people that I talk to. Um, you know, sometimes people do need some noise and, um, that's okay. They sort of need that background noise. Ideally though, if you, if you're one of those people, I would say, could you do a fan or a white noise machine? Mm. The problem though, with, with having a TV shows, I don't know why people love the office to fall asleep to, or old <laughs> reruns. I'm not sure why, but there should be a study on this, but um, sometimes the volume can vary or the scenes change and your brain is very perceptive, especially yeah. if you've had insomnia, it's going to be tuned into some of those variations. So it could be making it worse. Um, despite the feeling like it's, it's helping you fall asleep. And isn't there, I mean, I've in recent years read a lot about sleep and blue light and all of that. If you, and I've, I have not, Gosh, I don't even remember the last time I've had a TV in my bedroom because um, I subscribe to that advice of there, you should be doing two things in your bedroom. It should either be intimate relations with a significant other or it should be sleep. Like that's it. And I practice that, right? Like there's no TV in my room. So this is so completely not something I, I get this desire to fall asleep with the TV on. Um, but wouldn't it also be that the light, like I think about what it's like when you see somebody, when you sit, when you're taking a walk outside at night and, and somebody has a TV on, you know, it's like poltergeist from the outside. (laughs) There's this big flashing light. And Mm -hmm. to me, I just think like, we all know it's optimal for better, best sleep to have a very dark room. So what is it doing when you have a, even if you turn the volume all the way down? And you didn't have the volume interrupting your brain. Is the, isn't the light bad for your brain too to be able to really like know it's sleep time? Yes, absolutely. So this is getting at um, our circadian rhythm. So circadian biology means that you have a body clock, and the, this dictates the hormones that are secreted. Um, particularly, melatonin um, is a is a hormone that's secreted by the pineal gland in darkness. So when you dim the lights melatonin is secreted. It usually comes on a few hours before your typical bedtime. 
Now, if you want to really shut down that production of melatonin, expose yourself to light in general, but specifically blue light. So by having the light exposure, A, before bed, or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're looking at your tablet or turning on a, a light, that's that's suppressing the, the secretion of melatonin. And that's going to change your body clock. Hmm. And it, it really is. I mean, if for I know somebody explained it one time, but they're like, you know, just because your eyelids are closed doesn't mean that, I mean, this is me paraphrasing. When you're in a very dark room, there's nothing penetrating that eyelid necessarily. But if, you, if you're in a room and there's that TV light, you know, it, it's like, this is, this is again, my Kelly Alexa paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but it's like that light is getting into your brain going, Hey, it's daytime out. You know, it's light. And if your body gets used to it being dark, that's why. And we'll talk about this maybe in another show, you know, this whole concept of grounding and getting your body used to when it's actual natural daylight hours and non-daylight hours. And that's going to help you. I, it's, it's remarkable how some of these just lifestyle changes can really add up. But you mentioned, <laughs> I'm just blown away, Dr. Conroy, like, I'm already looking at my clock. We have like five minutes left. This is, this flew by, but we're just, this is good because we're kind of setting, we're dispelling a lot of myths here and we're setting up an understanding of what insomnia really is and how many people have it and probably need number one to address some lifestyle changes, but potentially look at getting treatment. Um, but it's, it's obviously, this is a very big topic and, and we can, we can go into a lot of very specific things after this. So this is really good. Um, but you mentioned melatonin several times and melatonin is, is gosh, it's something that our body produces, but it's also an over the counter supplement, if you will. And I think it's one of the very most misunderstood sleep aids on the planet. Mm-hmm. So without me you know, flavoring what your answer is going to be. What do you say about people who think they, well, I can't sleep. I'll just take a bunch of melatonin. Yeah, I, well, I would agree that it's most misunderstood and um, kind of inappropriately taken. Um, You know, for some people taking melatonin at the right dose can be very helpful. Um, Except that some people, some people take too much of it and at the wrong time. Um, so my job, what I'm trained to do is understand where your, your biological clock is um, and to dose the melatonin appropriately. That doesn't always happen. And what most people do is they take it at bedtime to treat insomnia. And guess what? When you look at the research articles on the effectiveness of melatonin as a, a sleep aid, it's not very impressive. Really? Uh, it, that, is, that is correct. So it's not... I'm saying individually people can experience some benefit, but overall, when we look look at large scale studies, it's not doing much for insomnia. It never really did much for me, to be honest with you. And and the first thing that I learned was, you know, I, this was probably back in the days that um, I read about it. And it was probably during those years after my divorce, when I was taking Excedrin PM, like it was Mm M&Ms. And I, somebody gave me some, some melatonin and, you know, I was at this, Oh, well, one's not working. So I'll take five, you know? And I remember, I think it was actually a family friend of ours. Who's a doctor. Who's like, it's actually better to have less, but you know, I did, I scaled back to less. And then I realized like this, this isn't doing anything for me. So I haven't taken melatonin in years, but I, I know people who are like, Oh, you know, I take melatonin. It's not doing anything. And you always hear people go, Oh, well, you're not sleeping. Take some melatonin. 
that's one of the most misunderstood things. So what what is melatonin helpful for? I'm just curious. It's actually very helpful when you have body clock issues. If I'm a night owl and I am not happy with that, it's getting interfering with my life and I want to shift to become more of a morning person, it's helpful to shift the, the internal rhythm of the body. It can also be helpful in things like jet lag. Um, but at very low doses, just like you heard, lower doses, the better, the earlier, sometimes I say take it four to five hours before bed. So just it's atypical um, timing and dosages that you might hear. Hmm. Um, okay, so I have a question because I want to I wanna wrap up. We're already kind of at our time, but we're certainly going to have you back on the show unless you say no, which I'll <laughs> beg you to be back on the show. Oh, I will um, definitely. Awesome. Um, Let's give people a, a preview or like a trailer of, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that there's treatment. And, you know, I, I certainly can say that I have been very proactive about making a lot of changes in my life to, to encourage better sleep and optimal sleep. But I really didn't know that there was such a thing as a sleep specialist or a sleep psychologist. Would you give people a preview of what when, when, when people come to see you for treatment, is it mostly psychological? Is it taking medication? Is it, is it, a, is it unique for every person? Like what does treatment, how do you, how do you deal with people when you're treating them for insomnia? Cause I've, I think there's a lot of people out here listening who've never heard that you could go get treatment for this. They, they figure like, frankly, a lot of people listening, they know that I'm very passionate about getting your hormones balanced, but there's a lot of women out there and probably 75% of the women I talk to, they're experiencing all of these issues. And I'm like, have you gotten blood work done yet? Oh no. Have you seen an integrative doctor? No. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but you feel awful and this is affecting your whole life and you're not doing anything about it. There's a lot of people who are dealing with massive sleep issues and it's disrupting their lives, but they don't even know there's possibilities for treatment. So give us just a preview of, and we'll go into a deeper dive on that in one of the shows that you come back on, but what does that look like? Sure. So sleep is one of these things that really marries the, the medical and the psychiatric. So you could, when, if you're just complaining with sleep, we don't take that at face value. We want to understand the, the holistic approach. So it could be that you have a medical disorder, for example, something like obstructive sleep apnea or um, restless leg syndrome. Um, these, are, these are treated medically, and I can say more about that later. But there's also the psychological component that could be adding on as well. And so it's both. So we would run tests we would um, decide what is the best treatment for you, whether that's treatment for sleep apnea or if it's insomnia, um, then we would discuss treatment options, which can vary between um, non-medication and medication approaches. Hmm. You know, it, that's you, you illustrated it really well, that there can be a combination of, or it could be somebody leans more towards one than the other. It could be more psychological, mental, and then somebody else could be more like, hey, breathing problems. You know, I, I always see that men tend to have more of the breathing and the, the snoring or challenges. Um, and I don't know if that's, is that sleep apnea? 
Um, yes, there's a number of different types of sleep disordered breathing, and that's right. So the, the, the rates are higher in men, but but they actually become equal postmenopausal for women. Really? So it, yes. So even though you know women are saved, <laughs> almost we we still have sleep apnea, um, but but our rates do increase um, as we get older. Women just get we get the bad luck of the draw with all oh, yeah. Sleep. It's just not right, <laughs> but that's a that's yeah. a whole other podcast. <laughs> well, this was um, Dr. Conroy. This was like a really, really good. Um, I'm so glad everything we covered because we dispelled a lot of myths. I know that a lot of people who are listening are going to have quite a lot of head tilt moments. Going, I I didn't know that. Um, and and I think what you and I can do now is go. Okay, let's do one show on you know maybe some lifestyle tips, one show on treatment. Um, and then anyway, we'll go over that, but there's just, there's so much about this topic that people are confused about. Um, and I don't think they're taking seriously enough because they can, they can dramatically change their sleep life, which will dramatically change their health and their life. Uh, their work life, their personal life, and so on. So this is really, really good stuff. Um, tell people as we, and, and of course, we'll link up to this in the show notes, but where can they, you know, in the meantime, find out more about you, find out more about sleep, maybe connect with you if they want to start getting some help and find out what that looks like. Where can people find that information online? Sure. So if you want to get more information about sleep, I would recommend websites like sleepeducation.org or the National Sleep Foundation. Um, and if you would like more information, um, I can also be reached through Happy Healthy Rested. Um, that is my pr private coaching program. I'm also at the University of Michigan. Um, and so uh, www.happyhealthyrested.com is where you could contact me directly. So when Ohio State plays Michigan, you root for Michigan. Is that? Uh, I did see that you are from Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> <We, laughs> I should have asked that up front. No, that's okay. We're still friends. Dear yes. It's okay. We, yes. We just, we will just not sit next <laughs> to each other at a football game. Isn't it so funny how <laughs> like this stuff just permeates adulthood? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, and, and all I know is like, I just want football season to be back. So I know we'll hope and pray who knows, but I did just read about the big 10 putting off, off the conference or everything, but conference games or something like that. But anyway, it'll be just so nice to get football season back. But, um, anyway, we'll be, we'll be friendly, um, antagonists of each other <laughs> in football, but thank okay. you so much for being on the show. This was a great first show and I will link up, um, everybody, you guys know, all of this stuff will be linked up on the show notes over at the Kelly Um, so Deirdre, thank you so much for being on the show. Show. You and I will you. touch base afterwards to get you back on the show. We'll coordinate all of that. Uh, for everybody listening, if you have questions, whatever questions you have about sleep, just head over when you're on the kellyoshow.com. Number one, make sure you're subscribed over there. Number two, just use the contact me form. Let me know what questions you have about sleep so that we can address all of those. And I mean, anything goes. I'm not going to mention your name um, unless you give us explicit permission to, but just let us know what questions you have about sleep. If it's, hey, my husband snores, how do I get him to stop? If it's, I can't fall asleep, I'm taking this or my doctor's prescription this, like whatever questions you have about anything to do with sleep or insomnia or treatment, let us know so that we can cover that. But again, 
Dr. Conroy, thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time on The Kelly O Show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This marks the end of this interview with Dr. Deirdre Conroy. I hope you enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, if you have questions on sleep, on anything we mentioned in this show, anything you'd like us to address when we have her back on the show, this is going to be an ongoing series on getting better sleep. Just head on over to the show notes. You can find those at thekellyoshow.com and then use the contact me form that you'll find in the uh, title bar there as well. And just shoot me a note. My team and I will go through all of your questions and make sure that we cover that on one of these upcoming episodes. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends. And if you haven't had a chance to leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice, we would appreciate that as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time on The Kelly O Show.